Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not. And today, today, today is Wednesday. It's at some point in the month of November, and I'm fairly sure it's 2022. What is it? November 66th. 16. Okay, Carrie, there are not 66 days in. Well, wait, how did you show 66 days of Christmas? How many? I'll oh. have to count. I don't like Christmas. Is that terrible? No, well, I love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Everyone's like, oh, Christmas break. We work hard. <laughs> <laughs> so we are joined today by my lovely research assistant, Chuck, my dad, and the beautiful Kate. Kate, uh, is she the one I can know? Who was the person where people asked me if I confirmed her? Or something. Oh, Megan Markle. Oh, Megan. Okay, never mind. <laughs> so, uh, what were we talking about? Kate's hot in from the hills of Colorado. Yes. Uh, Kate's probation officer said she could go ahead and slap that tether on and get a few days away. We're so happy for her. Um, tomorrow, we're actually going to keep going on Moses because we were going to have a guest, but uh, Carrie was drunk. And let's just say we're not going to have a guest now. No, there's no guest tomorrow. So I'll continue our lecture on either the Ten Commandments or we will do what the Israelites couldn't and finish off Moses. So uh, you may remember that last time we talked, uh, we went, we're going through Moses and we got to the mountain, Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. It depends which translation you read. Either way, Moses is on top of a big old mountain in uh, what we now call the Taba Peninsula. And while he was there, it said the mountains shook. Uh, There was a cloud of smoke. The people were afraid. And Moses said, I'm going to go up and talk to the Lord. Y'all stay down here. And something very good happens. God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. And then we're going to find out something very bad happens while he's gone. You remember all the gold they were told not to bring from Egypt? Well, they brought it, and they make a golden calf out of it. And Moses is, of course, really excited about that development. But we'll get to that in a moment. First, we're going to go through the Ten Commandments. Now, uh, someone sent me a question, actually, uh, about the Ten Commandments. They said that one of their friends was pointing out, uh, was trying to explain to them why, you know, uh, you don't need faith or religion to have morality, which fine, whatever, I don't care. But this one did crack me up because they said, well, my friend pointed out, you know, the Ten Commandments, it's rules anybody would have if they wanted a civilized and orderly society. And I was just not sure how that's a strike against God. It's like, yeah, no, it turns out he's like good at being God. Right? You know, can you imagine... (laughs) It's like, well, I don't believe in God because those are things people would have made up, the, could have made up themselves for an orderly society. Okay, so it turns out God's smart. That's our issue. Either way, whether you believe God came down and Moses chiseled commandments or God did, or whether you believe this was an evolution uh, of the spirit of God through people, I don't care. Uh, we're just going to talk about it, uh, the Ten Commandments. So let's start off. The first commandment, well, know this, there's a structure. The thir- first three commandments are about loving God, and the next seven are about loving each other. Okay? That's my, it's, 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 a, bo- it's a butterfly. Uh, oh, I didn't talk about Margaret of Scotland. And we have people from Scotland who watch this show. So let me just give a salute. And uh, massive props to St. Margaret of Scotland, who was from where? Hungary. Hungary, not Scotland. But she was hungry, so she... No. St. Margaret of Scotland was born in Hungary. She was uh, born to a royal family there. And she was traveling to what we call Britain now. Uh, And it turns out the Vikings made a bit of a mess of things. So her family and her decided, well, let's get on a boat and go back. They got caught in a storm, got all turned around and ended up in Scotland. And she lived there for three years or so. Uh, The king of Scotland fell in love with her and she with him. They got married and had, I think, 8,000 children or something. But what's amazing about her is uh, she used all of her power and wealth to help the poor. And you got to remember, we're not talking about American poor, right, where you only have one iPhone. We're talking about poor 
like living under rocks and sticks and dying of starvation most of your life, quite literally. Uh, and she used her wealth to help those good people. And uh, she uh, was and remains a treasured, honored daughter of Scotland uh, to this day. So massive props to Margaret of Scotland. You pulled off the whole saint thing. Way to go. Um, and uh, she's one of those people who shows us how to use our power. Yeah. Way to go. Okay. So with that, let's get in. The first commandment we'll look at is this one I just call only me no idols. <laughs> and uh, what is this command and forbid? I'll do that with each commandment. So the first commandment commands adoration of God, prayer, sacrifice, promises, and vows. It forbids idolatry, superstition, magic, divinization, atheism, agnosticism. Um, now, you might think, what is the difference between magic and faith? What is the difference between magic and religion? Well, for us, religion is our attempt to submit to God. God initiates, we respond. Magic, we initiate, the God responds, or the gods. And it's a big difference. Yeah, big difference. Um, in terms of atheism and agnosticism, uh, those definitely can be sins, and they also, most times, I think, are not. Uh, particularly because I really buy that quote from <clears throat> Johnson Smith Jones when he said, I can't remember who. Oh, my lovely research assistant. Ready? Type this into Google. Uh, the largest single cause of atheism. Okay, so that's the first lines. And the quote goes like this. The largest single cause of atheism is Christians who acknowledge God with their lips and deny him by the life they lead. That is what an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. That's the quote. Brennan Manning. Who? Brennan Manning. Brennan Johnson. Brennan Manning. Manning. Like Peyton? Like Peyton Manning, yeah. Oh, Brennan Manning. I don't know if you guys know this. He was a quarterback uh, for the Colts. His son is Archie. His grandchildren are Eli and Peyton. I'm just kidding. Brennan? Brennan. Brennan Manning. Yep. Okay, just like I said the first time. Yep, you nailed it. And I nailed that quote because that's important to me. Yeah, um, there's atheism and agnosticism that's often a result of bad behavior on the part of Christians and or the church. Uh, and in fact, on Good Friday, one of the prayers we pray is we beg God's forgiveness for all the ways, and we, the church says it better than this, that we have horrified people while pretending we're Christians. Um there is a seeking of God that is often a process. And uh, so now one thing we always get is, well, what about statues? Right. And uh, you'll, you'll get that as a Catholic from people who think we've never thought about it. Right. Um, well, the Ten Commandments says no statues. Why do you have statues? That's not what it forbids. Uh, look at Exodus 20. And what God doesn't say is you cannot make an image or likeness of anything. You got to look at it in its context. So you remember, one of the things I said that distinguishes Catholics from fundamentalists is we try to read the text in its context. We don't pull random verses and not look at the verses around them, right? So, for example, just five chapters after the supposed prohibition against statues, what does God command? Uh, he commands them to make some statues. Right. Uh, where would that be at? Well, I'll get there in a second. This is uh, Exodus 25, 18 to 22. Um, quote, you shall make two cherubim of gold. The cherubim will spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings, their faces to one another. And you shall put the mercy seat on the ark. There I will meet you. Right. So God allows them to carve images. What they cannot do is carve an image of anything and then worship it. That's a big distinction. Right. Uh, Exodus 20.4 is part of the first commandment that begins in verse 3 and stretches all the way to verse 5. So again, we don't just grab, don't make any graven images and pull it out. We look at the whole thing. Here's the whole thing. Ready? 
You shall have no other gods before me except the tigers. You shall not make of yourself a graven image or any likeness of anything in heaven or above. And blah, blah, blah. You shall not bow down and worship them. Okay, so that's the context. God's saying, don't make images that you bow down and worship. Verses three and five make clear that this commandment is not a condemnation of making any statues. It's a condemnation of making gods that you bow down to and serve. That's an important distinguish, distinction. And the church forbids that as well. Um, so that's where we go there. Uh, commandment number two, keep my name holy. Or as the Lord says in Hebrew, keep my name out your mouth. Okay, I'm going to be honest. The Lord never actually said those words. My sister said that to me once and I couldn't quit laughing. Okay. Oh, and she was saying it to be funny. If she said it to be serious, I would not laugh. I would run away. What is this command? It commands that we respect God's name. Um, it commands that we respect the promises and vows that honor God. Um, and it forbids blasphemy, cursing, and perjury. So this is one that gets missed, uh, where people will say, well, I used the Lord's name in vain. They tend to mean they were, they blasphemed. Namely, I said Jesus or God's name in a non-holy context. That's part of it. But the other part is, goes back to our first commandment discussion. Don't do things in the name of God that are crappy. Yeah, don't say I'm doing this because I'm a Christian. No, you're doing that because you're a jerk, right? But we sprinkle holy water on it to try to make it sound holy, to make it sound good. I see this a lot on Facebook. In fact, because I'm a glutton for punishment, I looked at the USCCB website. So, or what do you call that thing? Facebook page. So the USCCB is this big conference of bishops. They get together and they pray and eat and eat and and they eat. No, they make decisions. They talk. What's our goals? What do we want to strive for? And every comment on there is begging bishops to be Democrats or begging them to be Republicans. And of course, screaming at them for not being. I actually took a screenshot. One comment was, you right wing uh, hate mongers. You've aligned yourself with Trump and the Republican Party. And literally the next comment is, you communists who have aligned yourselves with the Democratic Party. It's literally comment to comment. And when you see that, what you can recognize right away is those two people are crazy. (laughs) Yeah? Why? They're using God's name in vain. They're using their faith to justify what they wish was true. God is a Republican. God is a Democrat. Both of those parties are demonic, (laughs) if you ask me, and have nothing to do with Christianity. So this whole phenomena of using God's name to justify our bigotry or our hate or our anger or our preferences, that's a sin against the second commandment. God's name is to be revered and honored, not used as a bludgeon to beat people with. Yeah. And we also, we keep our promises. As it says in scripture, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Um, so we do not commit perjury. How are we doing? Good. Okay. Number three, remember and honor the Sabbath. What is this command that we keep a Sabbath? It's Sunday. It tends to be for us Christians. It's a day of rest and prayer. Now, by church law, that includes mass. Okay. So it is a commandment that we honor the Sabbath by praying together in a special way on the Sabbath. That's why missing mass is a big deal. Because this is our time to worship God. It's that one hour a week where we are completely not about ourselves. Now, I think I've taught you a bit about this. A long discussion with a buddy of mine who's an Orthodox Jew. And he he tells me this. He, He believes this, and I think he might be right. He says, my people have succeeded in the face of the most violent and awful persecutions. And we still rise to the top of society. He says, how do we do it? Because once a week we do nothing. Once a week we are human beings, not doings. 
we rest, we don't expose ourselves to anything we don't need, and we function on our lowest level. He said, so what is that day? That Sabbath day is thinking about God and being with your family. And if you don't think that's good for you, you're crazy. Yeah. Um, what does the commandment to remember under the Sabbath forbid? Unnecessary work and non-observance of religious practices, right? We should be practicing our religion on that day. So uh, when I, I checked with one of my um, classmates from high school, and he said when we were in high school, nobody was allowed to have, and this was a public school, any practice on Sunday, right? And he, he said, if they would have tried, our moms would have stabbed them in the face, Right. Uh, that no Sunday was your day for church and family. And if you weren't church people, it was your day for family. But most stores were closed. Do you remember those days? Mm-hmm. And certainly public schools and Catholic schools were closed. Uh, but we have taken that from ourselves um, and it's doing harm, I believe, to us. So when we get to the end of the commandments here, I'm going to walk us through. Those Remember, I taught you a little bit about this, and I think it'll blow you away. How detailed our Jewish brothers and sisters went into what does it mean to honor and remember the Sabbath. So those are the three commandments about how to love God. We worship him alone. We remember and keep holy the Sabbath, and we don't use his name badly. Is that a question, or are you itching your hand? Okay. I didn't know if you were either getting ready to backhand me. Like right before the show started, Carrie hit me and said, do you want a fresh one? (laughs) So the next seven commandments are about loving each other. Um, And the first part of that is me getting a drink. Did I ever show you this? This is an official award, a recognition of my otherness. It's having a hard time picking up the... The, oh, it says best godfather ever. So that's decided. Okay, try again. Now it's a fight for second place. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's not. It's right. from Gracie. There, there I oh. just did. Shoot. I'll tell you when it focuses. Almost. Okay, we're going to give up. No, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. It's not that important. <laughs> just take my word for it. I am, I, it is official. I'm the best godfather ever. So for all you other godfathers out there, nice try. Second place is only a little embarrassing. So the first commandment about loving each other is honor your father and mother. What is that command that we respect and honor our parents? Or as we, a good way to the Romans described it, filial piety. Uh, we obey our parents and to parental figures in the church and state. Patriotism is required. Um, and of course, patriotism doesn't mean my country right or wrong, you know, not that nonsense. Duties to parents, duties to the church, duties to the state, uh, all duties of a human fall into this category as far as we see it. That honoring your father and mother means that we respect them. And I think I talked you through this. Respect is two words in Latin that we stuck together. Re means um, again. So when you redo something, you do it again. Spect is where we get the word spectacles, yeah, or spectators. Uh, And it means to see, to look at. So Okay, let's try it again. Turn green again. Okay, how long have we been gone? Well, okay, you didn't want to hear that anyway. It was an incredibly depressing story. Uh, But they play the full audio on this. It's on TikTok somewhere. Um, To look again at people and see, to look again at our parents and see who they are. You have no right to demand their perfection uh, because we can't demand that of you. Uh, But what we do... We would not exist without them. On the most practical level, we owe them our existence. And some people are naturally good at parents, being parents. Some are naturally terrible at it. Some work hard at it. Some don't. Uh, And we can acknowledge the reality of being raised by broken people. Or we can make it a source for us to feel self-righteous. 
Yeah. But we honor them and we honor our country and our state. So just the other day, dad and I were driving down the road and someone had a flag on the back of their truck and it said the F word and then Biden. Right. That's a violation of this commandment. Whether you like Biden or not doesn't matter. That's God's son. And he is our duly elected president. So we owe him respect. I don't like his politics. I didn't vote for him. I voted third party. Yeah. But he's still my president. And I owe him my respect. And I owe him my prayers. If I disagree with something the president's doing, I can rage about it and fill internet with my righteousness. Or I can say, I'm going to pray for that dude. Yeah. And that goes with like the thing I talked about for the USCCB. If a bishop is a CEO, yeah, it's your place and my place to evaluate their performance and publicly correct them. If they're not, then it's my place to pray and where appropriate, show respect and obedience. Yeah, it's not hard. How are we doing? Good. Okay. So now, oh yeah. All right. I'm going to scroll up. When is it okay for us to go to Mass or Vigil on Saturday instead of Sunday? Oh, anytime. Yeah. For the church, Sunday starts 4 p.m. Saturday. Yeah. That's why um, we have Masses after 4 on Saturday, if that helps. And if not, let me know. If that didn't answer your question. Asking, like, if that's the Sabbath, why doesn't, why isn't that the Sabbath? Sunday. We'll be back after a quick break. Are you looking for peace and joy? Do you want to refresh your life and raise your well-being? You need Create Harmony. At Create Harmony, we focus on everyday joys and we savor life's blessings. Our episodes are filled with creativity and fun, and we believe in setting an intentional rhythm. Listen in to Create Harmony to learn how to use your imagination as a way of listening to God and remind yourself how to notice goodness all around you. Oh, yeah. Well, for the church, Sunday starts at 4 p.m. on Saturday, right? And where do we get that from? It's a long process. Oh, boy. It it basically evolved from how our Jewish brothers and sisters celebrate the Sabbath. Um, They determine the time the Sabbath starts by when the sun hits a certain spot on the western wall. And when it hits that spot, Sabbath has begun. I think I'm saying this right. And we kind of took that idea and we went 4 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's a little more longer and involved than that, but I think that's the quickest way to say it. So uh, let me scroll back. Now we're on do not murder. Okay. Now this is often translated do not kill. Uh, But for us in English, there is a distinction between killing and murder. Okay. So this is do not murder because there are times it is justified to kill. There's times where it's necessary to kill. That scripture says there is a time to kill. Um, And that's not a call for everyone, right? Some people. Okay. So what does do not murder command? It commands a respect for life and the material and spiritual health of self and others. It permits legitimate self-defense of individuals and nations. It does permit capital punishment. We already did a whole show on that. And it uh, commands a respect for the bodies of the dead. Yeah. In terms of what it forbids, murder, abortion as birth control, infanticide, euthanasia, suicide, sterilization, mutilation, battery, wrath, giving scandal, uh, inordinate accumulation of armaments, and or commerce in firearms. So, or armaments. So, for example, when you look at um, the Catholic Church here in Lansing, we have a fund. So everything kind of just goes in there and they invest it for our retirement. But one of the things they will, like if you look, we never do as well as other people's 401ks and we never do as badly. 
because we don't invest in armaments. That's one of the things. So there are no uh, investments into arms manufacturers or things like that. I just thought that might be a good example. What does this forbid? Oh, I already did that. Okay. So obviously, if, um, like my brother Paul put it a really good way at one point. He said, if someone breaks in my house to steal my TV, and Paul's armed, (laughs) seriously armed. He goes, I'm not going to shoot them. If they come after my wife, I will. Right? He says, stuff is replaceable. Humans aren't. Um, and I think that's a good way to think of the self-defense uh, uh, argument uh, here for the church. Does the church say you can never take a life? No. Uh, and when we just got into all this debate on abortion, uh, a lot came up about, well, what about to save the mom's life? Well, that's a totally different reality than I just don't want a kid. And it only constitutes less than 2% of abortions. Uh, and like for Michigan, we got, oh, they'll throw doctors in jail. Never in history. There's not one recorded case in the state of Michigan, including one abortion, was illegal to save mom's life where they threw a doctor or charged them. Not once. Because everyone gets the common sense thing. It's just we're in a culture right now where we keep pretending our only choices are two ludicrous extremes. No abortion ever, or abortion all the freaking time. Uh, We never give ourselves that healthy middle ground where we say, well, of course, to save mom's life, that's permissible. That's not murder. That's something else. Does that help? Yes. Okay. And then we get into the do not commit adultery. Now, adultery is when you disobey your parents. Did I tell you that one about a kid who thought that? Every priest has that story, seriously, of a little squeaker who comes in and confesses committing adultery eight times. And you're like, what's adultery? That's when you disobey adults. Okay. Because if you're an eight-year-old and you're committing adultery, I, I think someone should write a book. What does it command? Respect for the marriage bed uh, and a respectful use of our sexual power. What does it forbid? Adultery, fornication, sexual acts preparatory to intercourse outside of marriage. Isn't that a clever uh, little turn of phrase? Uh, Pornography, prostitution, artificial means of contraception, uh, uh, sexual acts that are not open to life, blah, blah, blah. The whole idea is this. For you and I who try to love and obey God, sex is our best imitation of God, right? Uh, A union of two persons to create life, just like the Trinity is a unity of three persons, and that created existence. Uh, When a man and a woman join their bodies together, we believe their souls join together too, and in that moment is the possibility of the creation of life. So for humans, or for humans, (laughs) quite wrong, for us who believe, us who are Catholic, sex is not a recreational activity. The fact that it's enjoyable is the byproduct of the goal. The goal is I will express with my body what is true of my soul. And if I'm not ready for the possible consequences of that, then I don't engage in it. How was that? I felt pretty good about that. All right. Next one, do not steal. What is this command? Respect for possessions of others. It commands a restitution for injustices, a respect for the common goods of humanity, a just economic order, just wages and working conditions, a love for the poor, specifically in imitation of God's preferential option for the poor. Uh, If we're not familiar with that, I'll walk us through. So one of the things that is stealing is when an employer doesn't pay a just wage or pay in a timely manner. Um, uh, uh, Stealing is when you and I hoard resources that other people need. Yeah. Uh, stealing. Well, what do we mean? Preferential option for the poor. It means that you and I, if we imitate God, uh, 
we just assume in favor of the poor every time. So, again, I can't believe I'm saying this. I just was sent a video of uh, a guy who approaches another dude in a pharmacy, of all things, and says to the, the first guy says to the second, I'm short a dollar. Do you have a dollar? That, and this guy, it, and it's so funny, he makes this face like he's dying inside. And he gives him the dollar, kind of grudgingly. And the first guy says, why are you giving me this dollar if you don't want to? And he said, I'm trying to convince myself you're not conning me. That's what he said. And then the first guy says, no, this was a test, man, and gives him $500 cash. Right? Have you seen any of these? Yeah. It was fascinating. The guy who gave him the buck started crying. He said, the government just took 4000 more of my dollars in taxes. I thought I was all paid up. And I just emptied my bank account. Um, and now here you're giving me 500 bucks. I was like, wow. Um, but what was his thing? He was doing preferential option for the poor. I'm going to let myself be scammed if this is a scam. But I'm hoping this is actually for good. Isn't that crazy? I just saw this. Now, that doesn't mean, like, we, we have this here. A couple people who come to Mass every Sunday and ask for money. But I tell people, don't give them money. Uh, why? Because we offer them food and clothes and help. No, they just want cash. And when they just want cash, that means they're not doing something good with it. Yeah. We don't want to feed someone's addiction. We don't want to help someone die. Uh, we want to help them live. Okay. So what does do not steal forbid? It forbids stealing. Big surprise. Uh, it forbids vandalism, abuse, tax evasion, copyright infringement, injustices against employees or employers. Uh, I've actually had people say this confession. It always gets my heart. I'm not giving my all at work. I'm stealing from my boss. And they don't mean they're taking things from the boss. It took me forever to figure this out. They're saying, by not giving my best at work, I'm basically taking money out of my company without putting back my labor. And I thought, wow, that, that's a beautiful conscience. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's why I work in a job where I only work half of a day on Sunday. <laughs> Whenever someone does that, oh, Father, you just work on Sundays. They always say, easy, I work half a day on Sunday. Don't make me call my union rep. His name's Jesus. So for us to not steal, we want to remember that we respect other people's possessions and we respect the common good of humans. We refuse to hoard resources that other people need just to survive, to get by. Uh, we make sure we are paying a just wage and we make sure we are paying it on time and we make sure we're giving our all in work and that we have a preferential option for the poor. Okay? So that's stealing. How are we doing? Is this yeah. boring? You can tell me the truth. Is this boring? No. No. All right. Do not bear false witness. That means don't lie about bears. And I don't know why God was so specific. No. Okay, well, what is that command? Respect for others' good names, even the dead. The church makes that distinction. We want to be careful of what we do with the names of dead people. Um, and we, res we uh, strive for truthfulness in all things. What does it forbid? Detraction. It forbids calumny, gossip, rash judgment, lying, violation of secrets. It's like what Carrie just told me the other day, and don't tell anybody. Uh, what is detraction? Detraction is when I tell you someone else's faults, and I'm correct. Yeah, I'm right about their faults. Uh, that's different from calumny, which is when I tell you a lie about someone else's faults. Faults. F-A-L-S-E. Faults. No. F-A-U-L-T-S. Sorry. Oof. False faults. Sounds false. Did I make any sense there? 
Yeah. So let's get it right. Detraction is when I tell you someone else's faults and I'm right. But why did I tell you? Calumny is when I make a false faults and tell other people. Like about Carrie's drinking. That's it's a false fault, but that's a good joke. <laughs> Gossip's a big one, and it sucks because I hate it too. It's so easy to fall into gossip. Uh, but we want to recognize that we are damaging someone's right to a good reputation. And you know how hard it is to fight gossip. Once it's out there, it, fighting it is like trying to fight jello. Uh, it's a squiggly, amorphous thing, and it's, it's out there, and there's nothing you can do. Yeah, you want to know the craziest one of those? Although this isn't a sin, this is just wild. Dad and I listened to this documentary about. Do you remember the whole thing about Toyota, the locked uh, accelerators? Oh yeah. And all the accidents. Yes. Do you? So you know, in the end, Toyota paid a little over two billion dollars. Do you know? Seriously, and there is no disputing this anymore. You can look this up. Do you know what that was? And they knew it. People were pushing the wrong pedal. Right, and you think, no, it was a software problem. No, nope, no software problem. Oh no, it was the 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 what do you call those? The seat, the floor mats. No, it wasn't those. They were pushing the wrong pedal, and the data for it's really simple. And if you know cars, you know what I'm talking about. Brakes win. Yeah. You can have a 700 horsepower car and the cheapest brakes possible. The brakes win. Um, and what they found, they did this massive study. Everyone who had a stuck accelerator was driving the car less than two weeks. And when you've driven a car less than two weeks, the odds of pushing the wrong pedal rise exponentially. This was just fascinating. <laughs> but it was so ingrained in the American consciousness. And again, no one sinned. This isn't a sin or a bad thing. It's just how our little brains work. Well, it was a stuck accelerator. It was, it was none of those things. And this is not disputed anymore. But that's what happens when humans get a hold of information that's easy. We hold on to it. My brother always says, our brains are lazy, right? Uh, and that's why gossip is so effective. Since we're programmed to remember pain, uh, we're good at remembering gossip. So we want to be real careful with that, guys. We really do. Rash judgment. The idea of looking at someone's actions and thinking we know when, when we don't. I, I told you that hilarious story about my buddy who prayed mass at one of my parishes and afterward was just raging about these folks. They were, there was this mom and dad with three kids and their kids all had bells on their shoes. Mm -hmm. So the whole mass, you hear little bells, little bells, little bells. And... Uh, so he, he was like, this is so stupid. This is what's wrong with our culture, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, bro, those kids, their parents are blind. Right? They're blind. So they have little bells on their kids' feet so they know where they are. And it was such an awesome story because usually I'm the stupid one. But he was the stupid one. And I got to be the smart one. It's so rare. I'll never forget that story. But that's a rash judgment. And you might think, well, that's an understandable one, and it is. But why is my opinion needed? Yeah? Why can't I just say, huh, those kids have bells on their feet <laughs> and be done? Why do I need to attach a value to it? It's a rash judgment. I don't know enough to make a judgment, so I shouldn't. That's why all of you are going to hell. <laughs> that was pretty funny. It was. Okay, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. This one's for the boys. Um, I do love that the Lord doesn't say spouse. He knows women. He knows you guys have already. Once a woman's married and she's like, what was I thinking? It's not like she's going to run out and grab another one. Um, <laughs> right? Isn't that the case? Every woman who says yes to marriage, has a, uh, there was a lapse in judgment and the man exploited it. <laughs> Do not cover your neighbor's knife. This commands repurity of heart and intention. Namely, that your love is your whole body loving your wife, uh, including your mind. Now, uh, ladies, I don't know. You're a mystery to me. But I know for men, it is a constant mental battle. And 
it's a simple process of recognizing there's things I put in my head and there's things that pop in my head. I can't help what I didn't make. I can only help what I put in my head. Am I making sense here? So that's where that fight comes in. So gentlemen, uh, dudes, uh, when, when the Lord says to, to not covet your neighbor's wife, he's requiring you to love your wife with all in you, your mind, your body, your soul. And that, that is your intention in all times is to carry that with you. Um, okay. You shall not covet your neighbor's stuff. I use that word. God didn't say stuff. Although it would be so cool if God said stuff. Uh, what does it command? Purity of heart in regard to the possessions of others. We often look at other people and want who they are or what they have. Uh, my mom had a great saying, whenever you compare yourself to others, you always lose. And what she meant by that is really simple. When you think of you, you know a lot about you. When you think of other people, you only know what they've revealed to you. And I think I talked to you about this, Kara, that um, a, a gal sat me down and talked about Instagram marriages. Did I tell you this? No. Where she was like, at some so. point, okay, this blew me away. Um, and she gave me permission to share this, of course. But she talked about, I realized I let my marriage become an Instagram marriage. Uh, we were all about the image of the happy marriage. Right? I was constantly posting pictures of my husband and I. He was doing this and she was doing this. I'm just kidding. <laughs> she said we weren't working on our marriage. We were working on our image of our marriage. Hmm. Wasn't that something? Yeah. And she broke this down for me over like 15 minutes and I was like, I'll bet I do this too. I'll bet we all do this. We're so busy putting an image out there instead of just living our lives as broken humans. And I think that's the trouble we run into when we covet, is we just don't know crap. We don't know anything about them except what they show us. And very rarely will humans show each other scars. Very rarely will we get up and say, and, and in the words of scripture, right, stand naked without shame, right? Say, this is me and I'm a mess, but I'm a loved mess and I'm doing my best. Instead, we're like, this is us on our perfect vacation. See how our kids are dressed appropriately, right? <laughs> and why? Because people we don't know are looking at it and making judgments about it. But if that's the reality we have, then why would we ever compare ourselves to other people? We don't know enough. We know how messed up we feel, but we only know what they show us. So don't compare yourself to others. Don't be jealous of others. I know it's hard when you see my long flowing hair and my chiseled abs, my savage good looks, but it's hard to be me. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so uh, that's a kind of quick walk. Believe it or not, that's the quick walk. And I use our catechism to make this little chart. Um, so what we're going to look at now is where the Ten Commandments got us in trouble. Because it caused trouble. Uh, but it started out so well in this regard. That for our Jewish brothers and sisters, for our Muslim brothers and sisters, and for us Catholics, the defining trait for us is we obey God. That's what we do. That's how we roll. We're gangsters. Gangsters of love. I just made that up. I'll so be is it before or after this we had the 512? Oh, it's coming, sis. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, sis, we're bringing it. We're bringing it. In just a moment, I'm going to melt your brain, uh, I think, with what happened when we tried to be obedient to these commandments. And we've talked about this phenomenon before. So God says, honor your father and mother. And that was good enough for a little while until, and Americans are the worst at this, uh, somebody, and it had to be an American, we weren't even around yet, and there was one there, who was like, well, my parents aren't good parents, so how do I honor them? Do I have to honor them? Right? Okay, well, what do you mean they weren't good parents? Well, they did this or that or that. Right, and then also, okay, well, so if your parents are beating you daily, right, out of hate and anger, 
No, you don't need to stick to them, right? Okay, well, what if they're yelling at me a lot, right? And then we just kept piling questions on quite, well, what about this situation? What about that situation? What about this one? What about, and we kept, and with everyone, we just made another rule. And by the time you get to Jesus, there are 614 rules off of these 10. And some of them, the journey ends in a crazy place. So for example, at one point, the Pharisees are talking to Jesus about like how important rules are. And Jesus tells them, well, what about this? What about the fact that according to you, and this was where we went, we started with the commandment, honor your father and mother that you may live long in the land I've given you. That's the commandment. Enough people went, well, what about this? Where by the time you get to Jesus, there's arrows and it's a flow chart from hell. It ends with this, that in Jesus' time, a son could say to his mom and dad, quote, all you have given me is accounted as korban, meaning dedicated to God, and then abandon him. Now, if you abandon your mom and dad in that age, they die of hunger. There's no 401ks. There's no retirement. There's no banks. There's no savings. You counted, you had children, not out of love, uh, maybe out of love if you were really lucky, but it was more, well, somebody's got to take care of me. You break your leg, you don't get like, you know, time off work while they cast it up. You got to count on people to give you their food for the next five, six months while your leg heals. Now think about, reti- think about, now I'm 70. Well, no, you're not going to get out and work in the field every day. Sorry, then you don't eat unless you got kids who are also working in the field and trying to make extra for you. By the time we get to Jesus, a boy, male, could say to his parents, everything you've given me is korban and abandon them. Now, how do you go from honor your father and mother that you may live long in the land I've given you to Everything you've given me is Corban. Peace out. Well, you need about a thousand years of people asking questions. But what about this? What about that? What about this? What about that? We refuse to use our intellect when it comes to morality because we just want what we want. And it's easier to manipulate with questions or bizarre circumstances. Is this... Yes. And we ran into this, remember? And I, I promise I won't keep going on. But remember, we just ran into the abortion debate. We're just talking about this. We made a law in the state of Michigan in our Constitution. Abortion anywhere, anytime, for any reason. And what was every defensive at IRAD? Well, what about the health of the mother? That's 2% of abortions in our country. There's 2,800 abortions a day. are life and health of the mother. According to Planned Parenthood, the nation's biggest abortion provider, they do an abortion every 90 seconds in the U.S. And by their data, it's less than 2%. Why not make a law that says, well, abortions to save the life of the mother are totally permissible? Because we wanted to argue in bad faith. Well, what about this situation? Okay, that 2% shouldn't dictate our 98%. But we ask questions, not because we want to know, but because we want to control. And we want what we hope is true to be true. Yeah? And we do this in Jesus' name. Right? So you end up with, honor your father and mother to, peace out, mom and dad, good luck with the starvation thing. Isn't that crazy? Yes. So to show you how this works in a more fun way, a more funner, <laughs> more fun we're going to look at, if you want, I'll just give you some of this, because it, it's groovy. And when you get bored, please, when they, when they say stop, make me stop. Okay. So they looked at this commandment that says, honor the Sabbath. And we're just going to take one word from it. They said, well, what does it mean to rest on the Sabbath? Honor the Sabbath, rest. Well, okay, it means don't work. What's work? 39 categories. <laughs> Would you like to hear some? Yes. Mm-hmm. Planting, definition, the promotion of plant growth. Not only planting is including in this category, other categories that promote plant growth are prohibited. This includes watering, fertilizing, planting, or planting grown plants. Repotting. 
Reporting, no re-harry pottering. <laughs> plowing is work. Def definition of plowing. Uh, this is all from the Jewish text, right? Uh, this was my classes in Israel, right? Promotion of substrate and readiness for plant growth, be it soil, water for hydroponics, etc., etc., not etc. Included in this is any preparation of improvement of land for agricultural roots, including dragging chair legs in the soil, thereby unintentionally making furrows, pouring water on arable land that is not saturated making a hole in the soil that could possibly provide protection for a seed placed there, even if no seed is ever placed there. The soil is now enhanced, enhanced for the process of planting. I could do this all day, right? All this is on rest. Reaping, reaping is work. What is the definition of reaping? Well, it's severing a plant from its source of growth. Uh, it is forbidden, therefore, to climb a tree for fear that you may accidentally tear a branch. It is forbidden to ride an animal, as one may unthinkingly detach a stick to hit the animal with. We can do this all day. Do you want more? Gathering, initial gathering of earthborne material in its original place. A bowl of apples that falls in the house can be gathered in as A, they do not grow in that environment, two, they have already undergone, undergone an initial gathering at the orchard. <laughs> Winnowing, threshing, sorting, purifying, this one's fun, ready? Sorting slash purifying. Definition, removal of undesirables from desirable from a mixture of types. This refers to the separation of debris from grain, any separation of intermixed materials, which renders edible that which was inedible. Thus, filtering undrinkable water to make it drinkable falls into this category, as does taking bones from fish. For example, if there is a bowl of mixed peanuts and raisins, and one desires the raisins and dislikes the peanuts, Removing the peanuts from the bowl, leaving a purified pile of raisins would be an act of sorting, therefore forbidden. However, removing desirable raisins from the peanuts does not purify the mixture as one's left with undesirable peanuts. Isn't this crazy? Yeah. Right? So, and, and I say crazy, forgive me. That's actually awful to say. I just mean... This was in, in a way beautiful. I really want to obey God, right? And so I want to know every detail of what work is so that I don't do it. But there's also in that mix people who want that information so they can exploit it and people who are asking the question so they can control, right? And, and I could keep going, right? There's... Um, I mean, man, pages and pages of this. Grinding is forbidden. Uh, sifting, kneading, amalgamation. I had to look that one up. <laughs> Cooking, baking. Uh, definition, changing the properties of something via heat. For liquids, bringing a liquid's temperature to the heat threshold. Heat for these purposes is at the, I mean, and it just goes on and on. Cooking, baking, frying, any method of applying heat to food to prepare for eating is included in this prohibition. Now, this is quite different from preparation. For example, one can make a salad because the form of the vegetable doesn't change, only the size. One cannot cook the vegetable to soften them for eating because it changes the size. So did they not eat on Sunday? On Sunday? Oh, they eat, but they prepare the meal before. Okay. Mm -hmm. But can they heat it up? Nope. You can't make a fire. Okay. So they can eat cold leftovers. Well, yeah. they didn't, couldn't eat cold. They didn't have anything to keep it cold. Bingo. Shearing, scouring, carding, dying, spinning, warping. That's when you're on the Starship Enterprise. Yeah, you can't go fast. Making two loops, weaving, separating two threads, tying, any of these interesting, untying, sewing, tearing, trapping, uh, slaughtering, flaying, curing, preserving, smoothing, scoring, measuring, cutting, writing, erasing, building. These are all categories of work, and each one has a list. 
like this underneath it. Demolition. So you can't watch that movie with Wesley Snipes and <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Extinguishing a fire. Igniting a fire. Um, applying the finishing touch. That's forbidden. Transferring between domains. Uh, that's carrying. Um, what can you do? In the event that a human life is in danger, a Jew is not only allowed, but required to violate any Shabbat law that stands in the way of saving them. The concept of life being in danger is interpreted broadly. For example, it is mandated that one violate the Sabbath to assist a woman going into labor by taking her to the hospital. So as in Catholic theology, human life is the highest good. And so you always, your default is always save a human. Save a human. So I actually went through that quicker than I thought. That was good. But here's the key. Uh, and again, we'll hit this a little bit harder, I think, next time. Well, no, we won't. I don't know. It depends on what you want. Okay. Uh, but that's a glimpse at the Ten Commandments and how Catholics interpret them and how our Jewish parents interpret them. Right? Because when we talk about Judaism in this regard... St. John Paul II nailed this. We're talking about our parents. So when he, St. John Paul II, apologized to the Jews of the world for the sins of Catholics against Jews, he said, in our hatred and ignorance, we violated the commandment, honor your father and mother, for all of us are your spiritual Semitic children. Isn't that powerful? We are all, as Catholics, children of the Jews. And when we dishonor them, we're dishonoring our parents. Powerful stuff. Yes. What we're going to run into when we get to Jesus in the Ten Commandments is this idea, and, and it's hard to grasp. When we create rules to box God in, we get ourselves in trouble. Because we're left with two choices. One, I perfectly obey the law and my heart never changes. Yeah? Two, I give up and I become a jerk. So my choices end up being self-righteousness or spiritual death when we make it all about the law. Uh, one of my buddies was uh, serving as a priest in Alaska. And as part of his duties, get this, he had to have, I think I told you about him, he had to have a small pilot license. And so the way his ministry ended up being exercised, a lot of the Inuits were devout Catholics when he was there. I don't know what it's like now. But he would talk about landing in a village, in an area, and then word would get out, the priest is here. Mm -hmm. And over the next four days, people would converge. And he said, for three days, we would party. Right, They would just throw down because the priest is there. And he says, those three days I was exhausted because I did weddings, baptisms, confessions all day, every day. But he said a couple would come up and, Father, we want, we're, we, we're, we're, we want to be married. And there was this phenomenon often where, well, he hadn't been there in a year or sometimes two. And so they moved in together. And why? Well, they just stood before literally the elders in their community and said, we're married and until Father gets here, we can't do a sacramental, right? It's impossible for us to do it without a priest or a deacon. And so the village said, you're married, right? Yeah. Was that a sin then that they, they did that? No, right? Uh, and do we need a law to tell us that? Or does common sense tell us that? If we say, well, you need a priest or deacon to get married, and you can't get a priest or deacon there, then obviously the rules are different. And if you and I need someone to articulate that for us, we have a problem. Yeah? Does this make sense? Yes. Oh, great. And you could do this with all of the commandments. If your father or mother is an abusive alcoholic, the best way to honor them is to not play the game, to not be the enabler. Right? It doesn't mean you have to take all kinds of abuse. We, we run into this in marriage. And for a while, I gave up. I gave up talking about marriage and divorce because every time, and I get it, but someone would come up and say, are you saying a woman shouldn't leave her husband if he beats her? Why would you think I think that? Right? Did anything I said 
sound like that, right? We can use common sense. If someone is inflicting verbal or physical or, God forbid, sexual violence on you, that ain't a marriage. Run. Yeah. But if it's, I'm struggling with this person and or, and I like that person, no, don't leave the marriage. <laughs> right? uh, yeah. We, we want, we need to strive to be honest and to recognize that we know most times we ask the question because maybe the truth of it makes us uncomfortable. That's what I found about me. I, I just told dad this yesterday. I said a good clue for me if someone's telling me a truth I don't want to hear is when I get mad. Right? If I get mad at someone just making a statement, ugh, truth ticks me off. How about you? I'd rather God just affirmed me all the time. And he does. He likes me. But because he loves me, he says, don't do that. That's going to hurt your soul. The commandments, well, here, let's go with Pope Francis. Quote, the Ten Commandments are not a limitation. They're a pathway to freedom. They're a gift. Um, in history, especially recent history, we have been marked by tyranny, ideologies, and mindsets that have imposed and uh, that have been imposed and are oppressive, that haven't sought the good of humanity, but have sought power, success, and profits. The Ten Commandments come from a God who created us out of love. The Ten Commandments come from a God who established a covenant with us, a God who only wants our good. Let's trust him. The Ten Commandments show us a path to travel and also constitute a sort of moral code for building just societies that are made for all men and women. Yeah? That if we think of the Ten Commandments as, as chains, we've missed the point. It's the one who made us telling us how we operate best. And when the Lord says don't commit adultery, um, it's not because he picked a random thing. It's because, and I've seen this, uh, when someone leaves a marriage to get married to someone else, that second one never lasts because then they find someone else, right? Uh, and I, I say that with a ton of experience in working with people, a ton. Um, it unleashes something unhealthy in us when our dis relationships are easily disposable or replaceable. And God knows that about us. He also knows that we're made for a kind of transformative love to be with another human who loves us, does their best to love us like God loves us, who's trying to live their life as a broken person saying, this is how God loves me, so I'm going to try to love you that way. Right? And so they grow to understand God's love better so they can give it to their spouse better. And when you have two people doing that, it's the most challenging and life-giving thing they'll ever do. Which is a lot better than, I like you, you like me, let's get married. Yeah? I like a lot of people, I ain't marrying any of them. Did you ever hear me talk about not getting married in parking spots? See, I can just park wherever I want. No one has an opinion. I'm in the car. I'm like, I'm going to park over there. And no one says, why don't you park there? I just park where I want. He's been with your dad then before. Yeah, you had suggestions for me, but I just listened to you. Like when you were like, you should park over there. All right. I don't care enough. Dad will attest. I have a lot of opinions when it comes to parking. Yeah. And I just figure I don't. So go with the person who has an opinion. Do you have an opinion on parking? Do you have opinions on parking? Yeah. So you got your dad's thing. Well, and you have a policy. You've been like, sorry. I'm like, I don't care. If I cared, you'd know. You know what I mean? I just figure you know what you're doing, and I don't care enough. Uh, okay, so tomorrow, we'll pro holy crap, I went way over. I'm so sorry. Tomorrow, we might wrap up Moses. I don't know. He's dead, so we've got to find his corpse first. And Friday, we'll be with our eighth graders and talk about We are going to do it. Okay, so listen. Get your questions ready about priesthood. Uh, Friday is our focus on vocations questions. What, I don't know, like what's it like being a priest? Uh, what kind of cookies do priests like? Uh, what kind of cookies do priests enjoy? What kind of cookies do priests... Okay, I think they get the message. Um, so that'll be Friday. Tomorrow we'll finish up Moses theoretically. And until then, uh, salad pray. Huh?
All right. Oh, and say a prayer. I don't know if you saw, UN just released a report. Uh, over a thousand Nigerian Catholics a week are being slaughtered and kidnapped for ransom. Right. Uh, it's a brutal time to be a Catholic if you're in Nigeria. Yeah, because they're Catholic. Yeah. Um, so, you know, China is always the place where Catholics suffer the most. Nigeria is looking to take the throne. And um, so please, please, please uh, pray for our brothers and sisters in Nigeria. Thank you, Lord, for their courage and their faith. I don't know if you saw this. They showed a picture. NPR did a thing and their churches are packed. Like churches are being blown up. People are being shot going into church and all it's done is make more of them go. Um, those are our brothers and sisters, both the killers and the killed. Uh, that's all our family. And uh, we want to make sure and pray for them. Huh? Yeah. All right. Salad pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, thank you for today. And Lord, thank you for the million conveniences in our life that we don't even think about anymore but that are such a, a, a joyful part of the day. Just this morning, Lord, waking up, I thought of how hard people had to work for coffee. Get up and our coffee's made. Little things like that, Lord, let's help us never take them for granted and to always be grateful. And Father, you've shown us how to live. You've told us what's good for our soul and what's bad for our soul. Help us to be humble and malleable. And help us to love you and each other with every cell in our bodies to bring light wherever we go. And Father, you see our suffering brothers and sisters in Nigeria, please come to their rescue. Stop this insanity. And until that happens, please help them to be brave. Lord, you know that we have people we love so very much and we, we carry them around and worry about them. And, and you know we have all those circumstances in our lives that we fret about. Well, we give all of it to you because we love you so much and we trust you. May Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Huge thanks to my lovely assistant, Chuck. And for Kate for being here. I love Kate. Uh, I will see you crazy people tomorrow. And until then, my kung fu is strong. Peace. Is it over? No, it's never over.